Good afternoon. Welcome to Honey in the Rock, your daily dose of inspiration and encouragement. We look forward to having you on the show. Thanks for joining us. This afternoon's episode is titled, Thy Throne is Established of Old. It shall be focused on a study of Psalms chapter 93. Before we go any further, we begin with a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank Thee for Thy Word, where David is teaching us here that Thy testimonies are very sure. Holiness becometh Thine house, O Lord, forever. We thank Thee, Lord, that Thou art mightier than any other, and that there is none beside Thee. For who is like unto Thee, O Lord, among the gods? We pray, Father, may we yield our members to Thee unto righteousness. May the Word continue to wash us from our sins. May, as you tell us through your word, that faith cometh by hearing, hearing the word of God. So, Father, may you root out all unbelief out of our lives, that we may believe you with all our hearts and all our souls and all of our minds. In the name of thy Son, Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Up next, we shall listen to Psalms chapter 93. Psalm 93. The Lord reigneth, he is clothed with majesty. The Lord is clothed with strength, wherewith he hath girded himself. The world also is established, that it cannot be moved. Thy throne is established of old, thou art from everlasting. The floods have lifted up, O Lord, the floods have lifted up their voice, the floods lift up their waves. The Lord on high is mightier than the noise of many waters, Yea, than the mighty waves of the sea. Thy testimonies are very sure. Holiness becometh thine house, O Lord, forever. Up next, we shall listen to a sermon by Reverend William Branham titled, The Mighty God Unveiled Before Us. This was preached in 1964 on June the 29th. We'll begin at paragraph 87 up to paragraph 211. I trust you'll find it to be a blessing. Oh, men and women and delegates of this uh, convention, I want to say this without respect to person, but in the view of today, in view of what we are here for today, I'm afraid that the traditions of the fathers, the church fathers, has hid this from too many people since the Holy Ghost has come and this last days is prophesied and the veil has been rent. Too many people try to hang to their traditions of the fathers and that's why they can't see this extreme joy and peace and things that the church has today. Yet, it's in plain view of those who believe. He hid the word the promised word of this day. Now, the traditions has made a veil. They say that the days of miracles is past. A man spoke to me, a fine cultured gentleman in Tucson, Arizona, where I live. I'd had a meeting at the Ramada, and we'd been speaking at the businessman's convention where the Lord Jesus had come present and done great things. And this uh, Christian gentleman came to me and he said, a minister of the church, fine man, and he said, uh, 
Uh, Brother Branham, you are trying to project to the people an apostolic age. He said, and when the apostolic age has ceased, and I said, I pray thee, my brother, uh, show me when the apostolic age ceased in the scripture. I said, the apostolic age began on the day of Pentecost. And as Peter said on the day of Pentecost, the promise is unto you and to your children and to them that are far off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. When did it cease? If God is still calling, then the apostolic age still is in session. And so uh, that is where the people try to blindfold so many people by the traditions of the elders as it was then, and you fail to see why the, the people are so elated and so enthused. And, and these conventions are such an oddball, such a strange thing to other people. It's because that they see they broke through those barriers, they broke through those veils into the presence of God where they see the manifested promise of this hour made manifest before the people. They see what God promised. In Joel 2.28, he promised that in these last days there would be a light of rain poured out upon the people in the last days. I think the Greek word there is kenosis, which means that he emptied himself out, not in the way that we would say like something was inside of somebody that he emptied out, but he poured himself out. He changed his immortha. He, he changed from what he was to what he is. He never changes his nature. But on the day of Pentecost, he changed himself from being the Son of Man to the Son of God. He came not with the people, he came in the people. See, the same God to carry his ministry on through in this great age. He prophesied in the Bible that there would come a day that would not be neither day or night, but in the evening time it should be light. Now the sun geographically rises in the east and sets in the west. It's the same sun all the time. Now when the sun, S-O-N, revealed himself in the manifestation of the promised word to Israel, the eastern people, we've had a day of gloom. We've had enough light in the reformers and so forth to make churches and denominations and join them and come in and kiss the babies and marry the old and bury the dead and so forth and live in the church. But in the evening time, it shall be light, he said in the evening time, and no scripture can be broken. And the same S-O-N that poured out himself, Kenosis, on the day of Pentecost, promised to do the same thing in the evening time. See, it's according to the promise. Get the tag together. Look what's happening and look what he promised. Then you see where we are at. Get the thing together. You can see the unveiling of this great and mighty one. Traditions has blinded the people again uh, to these great things that's been prophesied. Moses 
when he came forth from the mountain, which was on fire, how beautiful the illustration. Moses had went down to Egypt and told the church fathers that the Lord God had to visit him in the name of I am. That name is present tense. Not I was, will be, but I am ever the same. The same yesterday, today, and forever. He is present tense. He, that compares with Hebrews 13, 8. Jesus Christ the same yesterday, today, and forever. It's still the prophesied word in the congregation that was to dovetail with that word, the experience of this day. The reformers had it. Oh, but this is another day. See what day we're living in. Just as he couldn't come in the days as he came on earth in the, in the way that Moses came or any of the prophets came, it wasn't prophesied. And in this last days, it's prophesied to come this way. It can't come in the form of Luther's revival. It can't come in the form of Wesley revival. It's a restoration. Now, it's a time that it must come back to the original sunlight. The original. Oh, how we could lay the scriptures in on that in you theologians. What part of the world you're from, you know that that's true. It's a promise. That's what makes the people so odd. That's what makes the oddballs that you call them. It's because that they, it's, the veil has been opened from the traditions, and they see it. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. It's, uh, it's the promise of God, and we cannot go against that because the Scriptures cannot be broken. Yes, we find that He promised that. He had emptied Himself into His people, and He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Moses, after he went down into Egypt and declared this, then the Father vindicated his message by coming on Mount Sinai in the same pillar of fire and set the mountain on fire. Did we notice the one that he gave the promise to, he brought him forth with the word. He had the commandments. And to have this commandment, he had to, the commandments was the word. The word had never come to the people yet. So the word always comes to the prophet. And he was the prophet for that hour. Like Jesus was the word. John was the prophet. And Jesus came to him in the water because the word always comes to the prophet without failure. The word comes to... So Moses, the word came to him, the commandments. And he had them. Now, while before the word was given out and made manifest, Moses had to veil his face. For the word wasn't completely made manifest. They know something had happened. But they didn't know what it was, the roaring and thundering. To, they said, let Moses speak and not God. And God said, well, I will do that. From this forth, I'll not appear like this no more. I'll send him a prophet. So he'll, I'll speak through my prophet. Now, if Moses, with the natural law, as Paul in Second Corinthians here has revealed to us, had the Bailey's faith with the natural, how much more will the spiritual be glorious and veil to the unbeliever before it's made manifest to him? How much more would they call if Moses was an oddball? How much more will they call you who's broke through the veil, has went into the pillar of fire, has come out with the blessing, and now you are veiled. The people can't see it. They can't understand it. If the 
natural be glorious, how much more will the supernatural, if the natural which had an end to it was to be glorious, how much more this which has no end to it will be glorious. But still it's veiled. It's veiled not to the believer, but to the unbeliever. He cannot see it. God always veils himself from the unbeliever. Traditions hide it like they did then. They do it today. That was a spiritual veil that we have now. Where the natural veil was, they're vindicated by the prophet with the written word, a prophesier, one who comes with the written word to make it plain. They know the word was there, but they didn't know what it meant. And Moses made it plain. He said, the commandment says this, and this is why. He made it plain. And before it was made plain, it was veiled. And so is it today. Veiled to the people until it's revealed and made plain to the people. God, the mighty God, veiled in human flesh the word. Notice, now we find out that it was hid to the unbeliever, but revealed to the believer. Notice, Moses had to enter this pillar of fire alone. No one could go with him. It was not, what does that speak to us? That you don't come into this by joining a Pentecostal group. See, he never revealed it to a group he revealed it to an individual. Amen. And that's the way it is today. You say, I belong to a, a church. I, I belong to this. But that won't work. Amen. See, and for anyone to try to follow Moses, to impersonate it, was death. Amen. And so is it today. Spiritual death to try to impersonate. That's what the night we're getting into. There's raising up amongst the groups carnal comparisons. Somebody try to act like it and live a different life. Can drink, can smoke. Women can live almost any way they want to and like the world and stay home and watch television and the things of the world and still call themselves Pentecostals. They are trying to impersonate a genuine thing. It's never been revealed to them yet. When it is revealed, it's glorious and something takes that out of you when you walk in there and you become a veil. It, it, it just won't work. And to impersonate it was death. Moses' veil, he was the living word to the people. And today, the people that are veiled are the same thing. They are written epistles. Read of all men. Not a new epistle, but the epistle that's been written, made, manifest. It's, it's those who believe the word. And the promise of this day that God is pouring out His Spirit upon all flesh. And that is written epistles. And when a person tries to carnally impersonate that, it backfires. Your life shows what you are. One time there was a boy. uh, He'd gotten some trouble. He was a a good boy, but he he went to court. And the judge said, "Uh, I find you guilty. Uh, I must punish you to life in prison. He said, I want to try my own case. He said, I want to go in upon my record. He said, you have no record. Your record is what's condemned you. And that's the way it is today. The reason the church is not advanced like it should, it's the record. 
It's alive. We must become more dedicated. We must believe every word of God. We must seek until that word is made real to us. See, the record is what keeps us from uh, entering in. But one time, to let you get out of this loop, in this same court, the boy had no money. He could not pay it off. The, the fine was weighing the thousands of dollars. But he had a big brother that came and paid it off for him. Now, we've got a big brother, Jesus, the Son of God, and he come to pay it off for us if we'll just believe it and be able to enter into the veil with him. Right? He is our Moses. Jesus is our Moses of the day. Moses' veil was the living word to the people. Today, Jesus' veil is the living word to the people that Jesus in the church, the Holy Ghost, the Son of God, in the people revealing the word by the promise of this day. Makes it just exactly. Same now. And remember, Moses did this and manifested this not to all the world, but to the Exodus people. Just one class of people. That was those who come out of the in the Exodus. And today the Holy Spirit, in the face of people who says divine healing is not right. One of us consulting a doctor called me the other day of a little lady. Oh, there's been four or five cases there of laying just at the point of death giving hours. And the Holy Spirit healed him. The doctor was questioning. He said, how can this be? I said, I, I, that's my patient. I said, it was. But now it was God's. It, it, it's his subject now. And um, so you see the thing it is that God is calling an exodus to come from behind the fleshly curtain who tries to impersonate, who tries to join church. Not Methodist, Baptist, Presbyterian altogether, but Pentecostal churches. It is an individual affair. It's you and God. You have to go in. Not your group, not your church, not your pastor, but it's you who has to go in. I want you to notice another characteristic of Moses. When he come out, yet being a prophet, being a great man that he was, when he come out with the word, the people saw that he was changed. Something had happened to him. When he come out with the vindicated word of that hour, the commandments, he was a changed person. And so will you be. When you come from behind that human veil that would laugh at a meeting like this, that man who would stumble at divine healing and say the days of miracles is past, you drop from behind that human veil there, the, the traditional veil, and everybody will know something happened to you. Like our honorable brother Jim Brown. Uh, imagine most Presbyterians are and knows that something happened to him because he he come from behind a traditional veil. He saw something in the people that attracted him and he came out from behind the veil. But it, when he come out from behind the veil, you'll be in full view of the people then that they can see that something has happened to him. The veil word to the unbeliever, but in full view of the believer Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. Then it was God. In them days, it was God in a man, his son, Jesus Christ. We believe that. Not just a prophet, 
not just an ordinary man, ordinary human. It was God in Christ, God in a man, the fullness of the Godhead bodily in a man. God in a man, now it's God in man. The fullness of God in the Godhead bodily in his entire church. Manifesting himself, fulfilling his word. Now we find God, all ages, has had skin on him. God has been hid behind a veil. It just reminds me of a, a little story that happened down in the south. And so there's a Christian home. And in this Christian home, they believed God and they, they thought that God protected them from all troubles, in which he does. And they had a little junior, a little boy, about seven or eight years old. And, and he went to Sunday school and was a very fine little lad, but he was scared in a storm, especially when lightning was flashing. And I told this to a man the other day when uh, this piece had come out about this man being healed. This same minister said, they make a God out of you, Brother Branham. Well, he was a critic, so I thought I'd just kind of break it off just a little bit, not to hurt, you know, but just kind of, I said, is that too far from the Scripture to be that? See, I said, no, it isn't. I said, because Jesus called prophets gods. See? That's right. God, and they say, well, you people try to take the place of God. That's not too far out. That's exactly what it is. It's exactly God manifested in flesh, Amen. just as he promised. Amen. This little family, we find it. I told him this little story, which come to my mind just now, that one night it come up a storm, and mother said to Junior, said, now, you go on upstairs, son, and go to bed. He said, Mom, I'm scared. And he said, ain't nothing going to hurt you. Go on up and go to bed. Little Junior laid up there, and the lightning flashing around the windows. And the little fella got so nervous, he sticking his head under the cover, and he could still hear the, the lightning, or see the lightning flash on the windows and, and hear the thunder roar. So he said, Mama. And she said, What do you want, Junior? He said, Come up here and sleep with me. So uh, she come up the steps like any good, loyal mother would. And she came up and she took little Junior in her arms and she said, Junior, Mother wishes to speak to you just a moment. I said, All right, Mama. I said, Now you must bear this in mind. We go to church constantly, we read the Bible, we pray, we are a Christian family, we believe in God. And said, we believe that in storms and whatever goes on, God is our protection. He said, Mama, I believe every bit of that. But said, when that lightning's so close, he said, I, I want a God with skin on it. <laughs> so I, I think not only Junior, but all of us feel that way. When we get together, when we pray one for the other, God with skin on it. And we find out here that God has always had skin on him. When Moses seen him, he had skin on him. He looked like a man. When God was behind the curtains, he had skin on him. And God tonight in his church is veiled in his church with skin on it. He's still the same God tonight. We find that. But now as ever, the skin veil is what catches the traditions. They just can't believe it. That's God making them people act like that. See, it's because God's veiled in his church. In skin. Skin on it. That's right. He's hid from the unbeliever and revealed to the believer. Amen. Yes, sir. Now, uh, when the tradition veil of uh, uh, traditions of the elders and the word is broke through, 
Oh, of course, today then comes in plain view. We see him. Deity again veiled in human flesh. Hebrews 1 said so. And also Genesis 18. You remember God was a man standing there eating and talking with Abraham and told what Sarah was doing in the tent behind it. And Jesus said, as it was in the days of Sodom, so shall it be at the coming of the Son of Man. Deity veiled again in human flesh. Now remember, Jesus didn't say when the Son of God is being revealed. In Luke, the 17th chapter, I believe, and about the 20, 21st verse, somewhere along there, he said, and when the Son of Man is being revealed, the Son of Man back in, in, in the church again, revealed in human beings, not Son of God, but the Son of Man again, back in his church again in the last days. We find that he promised that in God's promises. We notice another thing. In the Old Testament, I have a scripture here in Exodus, that the old badger skins, what did it do? It hid the glory of God from the people. The badger skins. The people couldn't see it because it was a skin that held it. The skin was, the glory of God was behind the skin. And now the glory of God is behind your skin. That's right. And the traditions don't see it. It's inside the veil where his word was. What was on the inside of that skin back there, the old badger skins, which there was no beauty we should desire. And when it was made flesh and dwelt among us, it was still no beauty we should desire. And now the same thing is today. There's nothing in a man or a woman that can be desired. But what's in behind there? That's what it is. Well, you say that, fellow, I know he used to be a drunkard. He used to do this. I don't care what he used to do. What's hid behind that skin? What is behind there? That's what counts. That's what the people is blinded. The skin blinds the people. See? They say, I remember that woman used to, I don't know what she used to, but what about now? See? It, them skins, that was once on a badger, but now it's hiding the glory of God. Got it housed behind it. It was on an animal. But now it's housing the glory of God. And so can your skin be changed tonight to be made a housing place for God, God dwelling in humanity. Not the old badger skins. We find out behind it was inside of there was the Word. And the Word, there also was uh, the shoe bread. The ark was sprinkled. And what was it? The Shekinah glory was in there. Now the Word is a seed. And it cannot bring forth until the, sh the sun strikes it. The sun's got to be up on the seed to make it bear, to make it come forth. And that's the only way you take the Word, see, take the Word of God in your heart and walk into the Shekinah glory. And when you do, it'll bring shewbread, manna, that's only give for a separated people. The only thing that can eat it, is permitted to eat it, is just the people who are permitted. You notice it. Paul said you're changing from glory to glory. You see, finally it comes to its, back to its original glory. This is like a seed of a morning glory. The seed of a flower, it falls into the ground. The seed of corn falls into the ground. What's the first thing? It comes up and it's a little sprout. Then it goes to a tassel. Then from a tassel back to its original grain. Well, that's exactly what the church has done. It come from Luther, Wesley, and now back to the original grain. Back to its original glory. Back to the glory it was at the beginning. The sun that rose in the east is the same sun that's manifesting the same thing in the west. Changing from glory to glory. It changed from the pagan 
down into Luther and from Luther down into Wesley and from Wesley out into Pentecost and on and on, changing from glory to glory, producing the hidden manna. And now it's right to bring him back exactly like he was at the beginning. The same ministry, the same Jesus, the same power, the same Holy Ghost, the same one that come down on the day of Pentecost is the same Holy Ghost that's manifested today. From glory to glory to glory and back to its original seat with the baptism of the Holy Ghost with the same signs, same wonders, same baptism, same kind of people acting the same way with the same power, the same sensation. It's from glory unto glory. And the next will be changed from this glory into a body like his own glorious body where we shall see him. Abraham saw the same. Now notice, we see how it was changed. Since Calvary, we are invited to share his glory. Now in 1 Corinthians 12, we are baptized into his body. By one spirit, we are all baptized. Not by one water. One spirit, we are all baptized. That's right. Now, and then we become part of him. I hope I'm not keeping you too long. See, I hope I'm not. But... It's just like a great symphony that's uh, uh, playing out or acting out a drama. Now, I don't know too much about symphonies or drama, but I was watching this play. I was talking about Carmen when my daughter and them was in it, and they, and they were playing in this symphony in Carmen. They was acting out. The music was, was, uh, was acting out the same thing. That's the way it is when you're baptized by the Holy Spirit into Christ. Now, see, many of you have read or heard the story uh, the great uh, uh, Russian composer who uh, composed Peter and the Wolf and how he, they act that out on symbols and everything. And anyone who knows the story that's reading it off of a paper and can hear that uh, a symphony, how it's acting that out, the drama, playing it out, while well, they know every change. They can look out here and see the change. But now what happens if the, if the composer writes something and um, we uh, find out that uh, it isn't uh, just acted outright. We find out then that there's something that happens. There's something uh, like him. When we see uh, them, he who composed it uh, is made it up and wrote it out, and then the symphony is uh, playing it, hits a wrong note. There's something wrong. The director gave the wrong motion. See? And that's what's the matter today, my Lutheran brethren, my Baptist brethren, my Pentecostal brethren. All my brethren from all different denominations. That's what it is. See, you're trying to give a note that hit back in the days of Luther Wesley like that. When the actually the music sheet here shows, and it's another sheet. We can't live in the light of Luther. He was a reformer. We appreciate his his part, but we played that out. We're way over here at the back of the book now. See, we can't we can't play it out like that. Now, the only way that you're ever going to be able to do it, my brethren, is this. And brethren of the world, or the different parts of the world, I might say, there's only one way for that, uh, uh, for that director to do. He has to get in the same spirit that the composer was in. Amen. Then he's got it. And when the church, the symphony itself, where the worlds are watching for these signs and wonders, when the church and the composer... And the director all get in the spirit of the composer. Then when they say the days of miracles is past, it don't hit the right note. Amen. 
But when it gets in the right swing of it and the right spirit of it, how are you going to do it until the spirit comes down of the composure? Amen. Amen. Then when you say the days of miracles never pass, the sympathy cries out, Amen. When we hit say Jesus Christ the same yesterday, today, and forever, the sympathy cries out, Amen. You shall receive power after this the Holy Ghost has come upon you. The sympathy cries, Amen. I got it. There's no more guesswork about it then. The whole symphony is right in harmony with the word. It's going. <laughs> That's it. Oh, it's a magnificent thing. The director and the composer must be in the same spirit, and so must the musicians be in the same spirit to act it all out. And the world is wondering what's going on. The communism they talk about and they made me sick with it. And all this integration and everything else and segregation. <laughs> oh, mercy. Such all this nonsense. When the coming of the Lord is at hand, there's something hitting wrong. I'm afraid that the director got the directors got out of the spirit of the composer. When we get that composer spirit, that original power of God that the Bible said, man of all was moved by the Holy Ghost to write this Bible. You'll see them two Chinese pieces of paper will come together just like God's Bible and a believer will come together. Because they're both in the same spirit, they're both the same thing, they dovetail right straight together. What we need today is uh, directors. That's right. Back to the Word. Back and believe it, just as it said. Then you see the God himself. That's the unveiling. The drama's made real. Today they say, well, he's a historical God. We know he crossed the Red Sea. He did all this, and he uh, was in the uh, fiery furnace with the Hebrew children. What good's a God of history if he isn't the same today? Man is ever glorifying God for what he did do, thinking of what he will do, and ignoring what he's doing. Uh, that's just in man to do that. And it's the same thing today, my brethren. It's the very same thing. Oh, my. Let's get back and get the symphony playing right. Where we the world can see Jesus said, If I be lifted up from this earth, I'll draw all men unto me. And he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Let the directors get in the right spirit with the musicians and with the composer. Everything will be all right. And we're no guesswork about it. We are identified with him, man. Hebrews 13, 8 said he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. We're identified with him in Acts 2. We're identified with them, with the same baptism, same thing. All he was then and all he is, all he was and all he is, we are. Exactly. Just like if I want to be a true American, I've got to be identified with everything she was, everything she is. I've got to be identified with it. If I am a true American... If I am a true American, then I landed on Plymouth Rock. Amen. I did. If I'm an American, so did you. You landed on Plymouth Rock with the Pilgrim Fathers. On Plymouth Rock, when they landed out there, I was with them. So was you, everybody. I rode with Paul Revere right down the road to Warner Danger. It's exactly right. Right down here at Valley Forge, I crossed the icy Delaware with a bunch of soldiers who half of them didn't have shoes on. I prayed all night with George Washington beforehand. I crossed the Delaware with a beast in my heart. We are Americans. Yes, sir, at Valley Forge. I certainly did. I returned thanks with the original Thanksgiving fathers. I returned thanks to God. If I'm a real American, I was identified there at that table. 
If I'm a real American, I was identified when I stood with Stonewall Jackson. If I'm a real American, I was identified at the Boston Tea Party. <laughs> yes, sir. When we refused to have things pulled over our eyes. Well, I was a real American. I was identified there with that. Yes, sir. Oh, my. I ring the Liberty Bell the first 4th of July in 1776. I ring the Liberty Bell here and declare that we are independent. To be a real American, I had to. I was identified with her shame in the revolutionary. When brother fought against I've got to bear her shame as same as I have to bear her glory. If I'm an American, I have to be. I was identified with her. Yes, sir. I was identified at Gettysburg down there when Lincoln made his speech. Yes, sir. I was on Wake Island. Over them bloody soldiers' body, I rose in Wake Island. On Guam, I helped highest that flag. I'm a real American. Amen. All she is, I am, and proud of it. Yes, indeed. All America has been, all she is, I'm still that to be American. Everything she was, I have to be because I'm identified with her. Same thing by being a true Christian. You have to be identified with it. I preached with Moses and with Noah and warned the people of their oncoming judgment to be a real Christian. I was with Moses at the burning bush. I saw the pillar of fire. I saw his glory. I was with Moses up there in the wilderness. To be a Christian, I had to be identified with everything God was. To be a Christian, I seen his glory. I heard his voice. Don't try to explain it away from me now because I was there. I know what I'm talking about. I seen what happened. Yes, sir. I was at the Red Sea when I seen the Spirit of God move down and part the water from one side. Not through a bunch of reeds that you're trying to say that, but through about a 90-foot sea. I seen the Spirit of God. I walked with Moses through that dry ground across that Red Sea. I stood by Mount Sinai and seen the thunder and lightning falling. I eat manna with them out there. I drink from that rock. I'm still doing it tonight. I was identified with the manna eaters. I was identified with them that drunk from the rock. I was also identified when Joshua blew a trumpet and the walls of Jericho fell down. I was in the lion's den with Daniel. I was in the fiery furnace with the Hebrew children. I was in Mount, with Elijah on Mount Carmel. I was with John the Baptist and before them critics. I seen the Spirit of God descending. I heard the voice of God say, This is my beloved Son, in whom I'm pleased to dwell in. Yes, sir, I sure was identified with him. That's exactly right. I was identified there at the grave of Lazarus when he raised up Lazarus. I was identified with the woman at the well when he told her her sins. Yes, sir. I surely was identified with him in his death. And I was identified on the first Easter. I raised with him from death. And identified with him in his death. I was with the 120 in the upper room. I was identified up there with them. I, I, I feel religious. Oh, my. I was identified there. I'm one of them. I was identified. I got the same experience they had. I was there when it happened. To be a true Christian, I witnessed some mighty rushing wind coming. I witnessed that. I felt the power of God as it shook. I was with them in spoken tongues. I felt the anointing coming. I, I was with them. I was identified with them. When the Holy Ghost began to speak through tongues with them, I was with Peter before the critics in Acts 2. When he preached a great sermon in it, I was identified with him. Yes, sir. And Acts 4, when they assembled together, I was with them when the building shook. After prayer meeting, the building.
building shook where they were sitting. I was identified there with them. I preached with Paul on Myers Hill. Yes, sir, I was with John on the Isle of Patmos and seen his second coming. I was with Luther in the Reformation. I was with Wesley, that firebrand, snatched from the fires when the great uh, revolt against the Anglican Church. I was there with him. Here I am tonight, 1964, in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, identified with the same kind of group, with the same kind of an experience. I must be to be a Christian. I must stay identified where the Word of God is being manifested. I'm identified with a group that feels the Spirit of God. I'm identified with a group that knows He's unveiled, that knows He's the same yesterday and forever, that knows that this is not a fanaticism. It's Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. I'm identified with that group here tonight. Yet they're called a bunch of heretics, yet a bunch of fanaticism on account of the Word of God. But I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. For it's the power of God and the salvation of them on. I'm with them living epistles I spoke of. Vindicated. God veiled in human form in men and women. Oh, God, in his Martha again, unveiled himself and make himself known to his people. The great king who laid aside his glory. Yet a little while and the world won't see me no more. I'll be veiled to them. But ye shall see me. For I'll be with you even in you. All the way to the consummation. Changing from Luther to Wesley to on and on. From glory unto glory. I'm still the same God. Going back to the original glory. Hallelujah. He has broken every denominational veil, every sound bearer. That sound that says, oh, that's fanaticism. He broke right through that. The sound that came out of there said, oh, that people are crazy. He broke right through that veil. Yes, he did. Oh, you can't do it. You're nothing but a bunch of fanatics. He broke right through that. No such a thing as divine healing. He broke right through that. Oh, my. For his word said he would. You can't conquer the word of God. And there he stands yet tonight, the mighty conqueror, since he broke every Methodist, Baptist, Presbyterian, every other kind of a veil. He still stands among his people tonight, unconquered by traditions. Let people say what they want to, do what they want to, anything they want to. God comes breaking right through that sound barrier. And remember, they tell me when a plane really breaks that sound barrier, there's no limit to its speed. Now I'm telling you, when you break that traditional barrier that Jesus is way back and he is now, when you find he's the same yesterday and forever, there's no limit to what God will do right here in this convention and show this world what they need. Not a world's fair, but a world revival that will be filled and baptized with the presence of the living God and Martha and Bailey himself in the human flesh. Hallelujah. I believe it. Broken every barrier, every veil, every veil, nothing can hide his presence. When people get hungry in their heart, there's a veil ready to be broke. You can just depend on that. We're in every veil by his great Holy Spirit. And here he stands tonight, the mighty conqueror. Same yesterday, day, and forever. Healing the sick, baptizing the believers, just as he always did. He's the mighty conqueror. Doomed devils are on the run. Yes, sir. They always are when he's around. As we get towards the end of this episode, we'll end with a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank thee, Lord, that thy throne is established of old, and thou art from everlasting. 
We thank thee that you have taken of your eternal life and given it in us, for we have become and we are always a part of you. So we thank thee, Lord, that through your Holy Spirit we, Lord, have become redeemed and, Lord, are already passed from death unto life. We thank thee for these wonderful things. May you accomplish your will in its entirety in our lives. In the name of Jesus Christ we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to Honey in the Rock, your daily dose of inspiration and encouragement. We hope to continue to earn your viewership throughout the year as we read the Bible from cover to cover. To make this a better listening experience for you, would really appreciate your feedback. So please email us at honeyintherock2020 at gmail.com. We also have accounts on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. So please follow us, share our pages, and subscribe. Now we'll leave you with the parting song. God richly bless you. Guilt was a voice with no promise of hope. The walls of my prison lay claim on my soul. When out of my bondage, his voice spoke to me. No prison can hold you, for I have the key. Now I have gone to the mercy The eagle that's flown
might flow.